All right, well, welcome to our uh, Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Brian Lau from Duke University. And today I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Anthony Zacharias from Frederick South Hospital, which is part of the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Zacharias is the first author on a paper titled Shoulder Anterior Inferior Glenoid Labrum Reconstruction with the Long Head of the Biceps Tendon, Restores Glenohumeral Stability, a Hyderabad Biomechanical Study which was published in this month's Arthroscopy, uh, February 2023. And uh, welcome, Dr. Zacharias, and thank you for joining me. I found your article very provoking, okay? I mean, there's lots of talk right now um, about distal tibial allografts, about remplissage on every case, you know? And so it kind of got me thinking, are we doing this all wrong? I mean, the main thing we're trying to restore is the labrum. And that's what the tear is. We know that deepens the socket by 50%, which, I, you know, you mentioned in your article as well. And so, you know, what got you guys thinking about using the biceps as a labral substitute? First off, thanks again uh, for having me. Really a big fan of this Arthroscopy podcast, and it's a really big honor to be a, a part of this and share our, our research on this platform. So uh, in regards to thinking about this problem, so kind of going back to how this all started, you know, Anna is a great organization for, you know, residents and medical students to get involved. So I took an opportunity for my third year of residency and I, I got a grant to go to the national meeting for Anna. And sitting there, obviously I'm by myself, I'm taking notes. I don't really know anyone there. And I'm watching a debate. Uh, Dr. Kelly is uh, debating Dr. Tokish. They're debating Ladder J versus Remplissage. So these are high level uh, topics, tough topics, especially for third year residents to kind of wrap their head around. So they're going through this debate and you know, you hear a lot about how to deal with these difficult cases and kind of what, what you know, the, I started to think about is, you know, we're altering anatomy, right? But what about, how are we gonna restore the anatomy? And uh, Dr. Caminini happened to be there and he's uh, my mentor at University of Kentucky. So in between the sessions, we started uh, talking about, you know, how do we deal with these tough cases, right? We see high uh, rates of recurrence and shoulder instability. And, you know, what are, what's something that we can do to restore the anatomy of the labrum, right? And, you know, he, he shared with me this technique on utilizing the long head of the biceps. And at this time, it happened uh, to be that I had done a lot of chart reviews, systematic reviews in my research. I really wanted to do a biomechanical study. I want to learn how to do a biomechanical study and see one through. Uh, during my residency, and this this just seemed like a great fit. So we kind of drew out we kind of drew out the the procedure uh, for me, and I still have a copy of uh, that in my on my uh, tablet. Uh, that procedure drawn out, and kind of how would how would we study this? What would it take to study? So over the next couple of months, we kind of talked about you know how are we going to study this? You know what are we going to do for research, and we can get get into all the nuances of that, but. That's how we kind of started with this topic, and it really became more of a project where I wanted to learn how to study the shoulder more intricately. I wanted to understand what stabilizes the shoulder. Uh, at this point, third-year residency, I was thinking about going sports medicine, wasn't 100% decided, so I really wanted to dive into this topic, and it's, it's been a blessing. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really cool. I mean, that's the way, a great way of showing why it's so important to go to these meetings and get you thinking, you know, and... Um... Now, I mean, is this a procedure that um, you guys kind of drew up uh, after that uh, meeting, or is this something that you guys were already kind of doing a little bit there, and um, you have any kind of clinical experience with it? 
Yeah, so it, it happened uh, that Dr. Kamenini had been performing the surgery for a little bit of time uh, prior to us even discussing it, and he had really good results with it and getting shoulders that really did not have much tissue for labor repair to become stable util- utilizing this technique. So, But it was one where I spent a lot of time you know, really diving into how does this work, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. So when studying this technique, you know, one thought is, you know, what are your graft options, right? If you're talking autograft, the biceps makes a lot of sense. It's It's got blood supply at the supraglenoid, you know, attachment site, and you're utilizing patient's own tissue, as Dr. Leiterman talked about in the editorial commentary for this article. You know, we're really utilizing this biceps tendon to reconstruct the shoulder, not necessarily sacrificing it as a pain generator. So... Um, the biceps made a lot of sense, and especially when you're talking about doing a cadaveric study, the biceps tendon's right there. So it, it makes a lot of sense to utilize from a cost perspective as well. And so then it was, you know, really figuring out what we needed to measure in order to perform the study and how we were going to measure it. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, for those who haven't read the article, maybe you can give like a, a 30 second, like, you know, brief description of what the procedure is and um, kind of how you you you, uh, you do it. Absolutely. So the procedure is uh, performing, you know, synonymizing the, the biceps tendon at around the muscular uh, tendinous junction. So you could certainly perform a subpectoralis biceps tendinesis or even a suprapectoralis uh, biceps tendinesis with this procedure. And then uh, starting from the superior portion and working your way inferiorly, sequential uh, suture anchors, uh, in order to attach uh, the biceps tendon. Um, so typically starting at about the 130 pre- position and then working uh, down uh, at about the three o'clock position and then around the you know four o'clock, 430 position and then all the way down to about the six o'clock position, at least in this study, um, you know, use you know, the clock face being annotated by a, a right shoulder, so. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's really cool kind of using, the, you know, something that's already there and, a lot of times you say can you use a pain generator and maybe actually be useful, you know, and one of the things that I found really interesting about the study was, you know, when you compare the native state, a deficient state, and then the reconstructed state with the, the labrum, and you found some pretty interesting findings from that. I don't know, maybe you want to highlight that and kind of what your interpretation of that is. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we definitely wanted to take a look and see you know, what is the difference with the labral intact state? Uh, certainly, we could have looked at the labral uh, repaired state. However, kind of the gold standard would be the labral intact state, because that's kind of the anatomy that we're trying to restore. And what we found is that when we made our bank cart lesion, so from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, got rid of the, the labrum, we noticed that there was a significant drop-off in the peak force to displacement. And then when we did this uh, reconstruction, uh, we found that there was, you know, significant increase to the amount of 41.5% increase in the peak force of displacement from the label deficient state. And then when we compare that to the label intact state, so before we even made the bank art lesion, uh, it was even 18.6% greater than the label intact state. So um, that was a little bit surprising. We, we were hoping just to be as close as possible to the label intact state, but we, we found that the peak fr- pressure to displacement was greater. Yeah, and why do you think that is? I mean, do you think that's um, the function of where the biceps attaches, or do you think that tissue is more, a little bit more robust, or like, you know, and what do you think the clinical implications are of that? I think I think it's the the tissue is is certainly more robust. I think uh, the diameter of the long head of the biceps was created a larger bumper, 
Uh, certainly, we didn't have uh, the technology to study it in this uh, study, the bumper height. But certainly, you know, anecdotally, it appeared to be larger bumper than the labral intact state. And do you think there's any implications about over-constraining the shoulder? That's a great question. That is a great question because that uh, question did come up as we were studying this. And certainly, there's there's the the concern about over constraint and we worry about that with a lot of the procedures we do, whether it's, you know, replissage, ladder J, you know, even just a simple banker taking too much capsule, not enough capsule. We are always worried about constraints. So that is something that definitely needs to be teased out in subsequent studies on this topic. And, you know, we're not done uh, trying to figure out this procedure. You asked a great question that I wish I had a better answer for. Uh, I mean, I mean, these are all, like you said, we noticed like, you know, post-stabilization arthropathy, you know, and people get some arthritis, you know, so even from a standard label repair, we were probably slightly over-constraining. So, you know, I think the one thing I want to have, this is a really well-done cadaveric study. And so if anyone's interested in doing a good biomechanical study, I mean, they should take a look at your paper. I mean, you did it very well, very um, systematically. And so I think that applaud you guys for that. And, you know, as, as people take these studies, one of those questions is how do we use this clinically, right? And so have you... I know you mentioned that, you know, your mentors have done this some, and you may have done some of these as well yourself. Like, when are you indicating people for this procedure and how are you doing that? Is it a preoperatively, is it an intraoperative finding or how are you making that decision to, to uh, go forward with this? So I think w with this procedure still being kind of in the infancy, I, I can't really give definitive like indications for this as, you know, as Dr. Laterman talked about in the editorial commentary, you know, we're still trying to figure out this decision tree, when to indicate, you know, the best surgery for you know, the patient, right? And, you know, what I, how I kind of think of it is it's not necessarily what kind of shoulder instability the patient has, but really who has the shoulder instability. So trying to figure out who matches best to which procedure is tough. With this procedure, the whole goal is to come up with a solution for which we didn't really have a great solution. And that was someone who's maybe had recurrent instability, either previous surgery or not had previous surgery, and they just have attritional damage to the soft tissues, but not much bone loss. In this study, we did not look at a bone loss model, uh, so we can't say anything really to how much bone loss you can accept. But, you know, it's certainly in someone who doesn't have much bone loss and just does not have tissue to repair to, this can certainly augment the glenoid labrum and any sort of capsular repair. So, uh, the other thing to note in this study is we studied the labrum in isolation. We didn't take any capsule or anything like that with the repair construct. So certainly the soft tissue laxity is something that we see intraoperatively. And that's, you know, that's something that you can't really replicate in the cadaveric setting. You can't replicate the soft tissue capsular laxity that occurs during a shoulder dislocation in vivo. So it, it's, it's tough, but I think, you know, certainly this is made for the patient without you know, a sufficient labrum to repair, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many different ways that people are trying to tackle, you know, label insufficiency, shoulder instability, and this is something that really, like I said, in the beginning, very thought-provoking as another potential strategy. And, you know, where does it fit in? You know, that's where it's kind of interesting. And, you know, you know maybe you've done a few of these. Any... um any anecdotal, maybe not a huge enough case series for uh, you know a full understanding, but some anecdotal evidence of what your experience in terms of follow-up and how these people are doing. Yeah, so that's that's something that um, you know I don't have any of these 
you know, under my belt seven months into my, my own clinical practice, uh, being on a fellowship. So, uh, but talking with Dr. Caminini, who has uh, performed these before, he's had very good anecdotal results. Um, and he hasn't had any recurrent instability after performing this procedure. So anecdotally, it's worked well. Again, need to kind of follow these patients longer term patient report outcomes, as we've seen in many of these studies are really, you know, somewhat defining of how patients do not necessarily are they dislocating, but are they feeling pretty good? Are there, is their shoulder feeling normal? Because I think that gives us the best uh, idea of how we're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it's really exciting stuff. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, you and Dr. Kamini's, um, you know, follow up with a clinical study for this, because I think it could be really impactful. I mean, especially, you know, even people who have potentially some capsular insufficiency, that's part of maybe adding this on top of a label repair could be really useful. Uh, without having to do, you know, a bony procedure with it. And so I uh, look forward to that. And I appreciate you taking the time to explain a little bit more about your study. And like I said, it's a great study. It's in the you know, yeah. most recent article of arthroscopy in February 2023, titled Shoulder Anterior Inferior Glenoid Labrum Reconstruction with a Long Head, the Biceps Tendon, Restores Glenoid Humor Stability. It was a categoric biomechanical study uh, in the Arthroscopy Journal. So thanks again, uh, Dr. Uh, Zacharias for taking the time uh, and really appreciate it and I uh, hope you're staying, up, staying warm up there. I hear it's pretty cold right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we'll get to spring one of these days. So, appreciate it. Thank you. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or Arthroscopy Journal. 